0: Six pack lapadat. I got my boy Arian Messi Kamesi. and um we're back from powerlifting America Nationals. The first dude, the first, and this is what I was telling Pete. Um, you were if this goes on to be decades, we were there on number one. <laughs> That's like if this was the UFC starting, we are at UFC number one. It's freaking crazy, man. If you think yeah. about it like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, people may have been there, like, you know, in the early 80s for, like, the first Canadian Nationals or the first, like, USA Powerlifting Nationals. We can say we were there for the first Powerlifting American Nationals. Well, more, we're more like, we're like 60 and stuff. We're telling, like, the junior kids, I was there. Doggy. <laughs> and more than just um, there, man,
0: we were like, a, we had to do things to get this thing going, man. We were a part of it to make this thing move. Um, yeah, it was wild. It was a freaking wild experience, man. Um Everything went well. The stream went well. Uh, you know, we're learning tons on the fly, trying to adjust on the fly, which isn't easy. Uh, cause it's not cause it's live. It's live. Any hiccups you have are happening live. Any adjustments you make or you were, you are making live. You know what I mean? Like there is no, um, you know, adjusting afterwards, mastering things afterwards and stuff like that. And people don't, necessarily understand until you're involved on that end of things and and in there and um and that was the first one spd's done the first stream live so and it was already good so it's gonna get just get better and better every time man you know that it's like a it's like a sword you keep a sword you keep sharpening until all the way until sheffield and um we got a year and i know pete who did this has got several um you know, events he wants to do in the docket, like local ones to keep getting like refining some things, testing so you could test like a comedian. I, I listen to podcasts with comedians they are like, when you're testing out your material, you go, you go around locally and work on it. And then you bring it to the big showcase. And um, and that's what they're going to do man. they keep testing new camera angles, new whatever the hell. And then uh, and then when Sheffield rolls around, you know, that's it. That's it, man. That's the big one.
1: Yep. I mean, he's going to be doing the other nationals. There's one more powerlifting American nationals for all the other divisions in June. So he's already trying to get me for day two because I got to coach a bunch of my master's uh, raw lifters on day one. He's like, hey, can I get you to live stream commentary again for the equip day? So maybe I'll be doing it there again.
0: There it is, man. It's more of the same. Uh, Have you had you done commentary before?
1: Yeah, I did when. When Robert Keller had worlds in Orlando, he had a sub junior and junior worlds once, and then he had the open uh, worlds once. And so there was times where they needed me in there because they had no one else. And they usually like to get referees um, because they know the rules and stuff. So I think one time I did it maybe with Bill Helmick. And then one time they're like, there's no one else, you have to do it on your own. And I was like, shit, what do I say the whole time talking to myself, but you kind of get the hang of it. And they're like, oh, Aaron, you're doing a great job. People like you explain the color infraction cards and those kinds of things.
0: Like most people doing the stream probably don't even know themselves what the jo- role of a co- commentator is themselves. They're like, ah, just do your thing. I don't know. Like most, I bet you most times when people show up, they get like no direction and honestly don't know. And the people would try to give them direction probably don't honestly know either what the best practices would be for for commentating. So there's like, hop in there, you can do no wrong, right? It's a little bit of gunslinger or whatever. But um, yeah, dog, you did good. You did good with the with our session. And, um, it was, man, it was a hell of a championships. We had said going into this, we are hoping for some battles. Um, I mean, we'll do a division by division and we'll start with the men's, but we got some battles. 69's lived up. 93's lived up. Um, 66's wasn't the battle we had hoped, but, uh, at least, you know, we'll get into it more, but Manzo did what he had to, to load up at the end. Um, and Jesus Oliveras. Obviously, we'll lean into this in a second, but oh my goodness. Um uh, you know, lifting with nobody close enough to really honestly oppose this spot. You didn't know if he's gonna totally show out. He fucking did. And holy smokes did Jesus Oliveras show out. Uh, I mean, he could be Ray Williams 2.0 if he's going all out from here on. I mean, he's a young man, 24 years old. Uh, so we'll get into that. We'll start off with the with the men's. We'll start off, uh, you know, division by division, and we'll work work our way up to Jesus Oliveras. So, the fifty nine kilo class. It is Eric Upperstein, um, in his fifties, taking the title, but he's lifting unopposed, legitimately lifting unopposed, and makes a spot on the world team. Now this is when it gets, you know, the fifty nine kilo class period is very stacked. Uh, it's 129 pounds, and when you're a grown man lifting weights, most people are going to end up just pushing themselves out of the 59-kilo class. Naturally, uh, the amount of men walking the earth lifting weights that are under 130 pounds, its just not a lot. It's not a deep division in terms of depth of talent, um, even on the world scene, when you're collecting all of the across the world. So Copperstein lifting unopposed, but will clinch a spot on the world team due to they were taking the uh, – Carpino for this, I got adjusted. Um, and he ended up, it ended up opening up his spot on the team. Now, I know his intentions were to go to the open world championships. Uh, we'll have to see what happens. But, uh, but he's gone.
1: Yeah. I mean, looking at it, like you said, he was the only competitor. He did weigh in, um, you know, light as well, 57.8. So he's not going to have an issue with cutting weight or anything like that. And he's currently nominated because the nom- preliminary nominations closed for Worlds. He's put, uh, nominated 10th. So, yeah, it's not a deep class. So, he could pick up a couple points for the team, getting 10th place or 9th place or even 8th. But, yeah, we'll see what he decides to do because I think he put out on his form for the live stream that he did it to like support the new federation. He wanted to come support the new organization as a multi-time, you know, national world champion and represent USA at worlds. And obviously when he signed up, he didn't know who was coming and who wasn't coming. So now that he knows who came and who could possibly get on the team, uh, like chance Mitchell, which we'll talk about more later, maybe he says, okay, I'm good. I'll just wait for masters Worlds and let someone else get the shot. He, he also mentioned he has a weightlifting meet coming up in three weeks because he does both. So he literally did, a powerlifting nationals. And then he has like a weightlifting meet coming up in three weeks. And then you have to turn around four weeks after that or five weeks after that and go to South Africa and do world. So it depends if he wants to stick with that schedule or not.
0: Yeah. And, and look, at, he brings, if he wanted to help the the federation by having a representative in the 59 kilo class. So there was someone there and, um, you know, hats off to him in terms of bringing a man of his resume, he's got an extensive resume. You know, Coppersteen is, is respected in powerlifting circles for everything he's done for decades. So 100% appreciative for him to show up and be like, look, 59 kilo class is aren't always well represented. And I'll be I'll throw my hat in the ring and represent it there, even though I'm a master's lifter. Um, yeah, hats off to the guy, man. But uh, yeah, w- you know, every, people are the battle was good in the 93s and could be sensational at the Worlds. So we'll see what happens with chance. Let's move on to the 66s. Because you had one of your lifters in this. Walk us through this, my man, because this is your boy, Jonathan Garcia. And battling it out with, you know, rival Rodrigo Manzo, who was a 2019 USAPL national champion in the 66s.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we all assumed, you know, you were talking about the live stream, we we're talking about the preview show, everything, that it was going to be a battle down to the final deadlift because Jonathan is really good at squat, and bench press, putting up that big subtotal, but he doesn't have as big of a deadlift. And Rodrigo has that really big deadlift and he can pull for the win. So it ended up playing that way, but not as close as, as we expected. Uh, Rodrigo had a, unfortunately, had a bad day, just like he did last year at Nationals, he had another bad day. And I think even after bench press, he was like talking to me, he's like, I'm just hanging it away to you guys because he missed his second squat. Um, he just straight up missed it. His third squat, he came up with it, but call called on depth because he like cut it to get the lift. On his opener bench, I'm not sure exactly what why he messed up, but it was really hard. I think his butt came up, he like clipped the hooks. So I was like, oh man, what if he bombs out now? He comes back, gets on a second, he jumps up seven and a half kilos to 162 and misses that. So now he only has one squat, one bench going into going into deadlift. And so that's where I started pulling back the numbers. I pulled back our bench press to make sure we get the third one. And then I pulled back the Delift numbers just to, you know, get three in and make him take a number he didn't want to take. So he got the 272.5 Delift opener. Then I think he jumped up to 285. Let me pull up his profile real quick. Yeah, 285. And he lost his grip. It slipped out on like his uh, left hook grip, slipped out and he dropped it. So then we made our third and he had to go up to 296. So now he had to go up 11 kilos above what he had just missed on grip. And I think maybe he got it just slightly off the ground or maybe he didn't get off the ground. He missed it. So unfortunately for him, he ended up going, you know, uh, three for nine and we ended up going eight for nine. And that was the difference of, you know, if he had made five, six, seven attempts, then it maybe had been a much easier deal for him to pull for the win because he only had three. It was a Hail Mary. He just couldn't do it.
0: And the thing with Manto, man, he has totaled way more than this years ago, years ago. He was already past this, you know, it's, it's been, um, he's not putting together his potential onto the platform. Something's going on there. I don't know if it's a rough cut, um, or it just might be, I mean, it's not like he's competed a lot, so it might be just like, it might look worse than it is because it's been years since he's been at his full potential. But when he won the USAPL raw Nats 2019, he was like 670 kilo. And you would suspect three years from now, He'd be closer to 700, just with small, simple progress for a guy his age in his 20s. Uh, but we haven't seen it, you know, and, and this is not he's he's young enough to adjust and, and come back around. But he's got to figure out what's going on because clearly something is going on. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, l- but enough about that. Let's talk about Jonathan Garcia here for a second. You had said in the post, you know, Jonathan has been looking to solidify himself. He's been, he's batted around close to 70, just 697 and a half kilo. He's also capable of that 700 kilo mark or more. Um, I know afterwards he was telling me he had way more in the tank, but like you said, you you just load up enough for the win and get the win and cruise because you got a quick turnaround. And he was telling me, man, I got a lot more in the tank and these fellas have no idea my top end. Um, so we're going to see, because the 66s at the World Championships is going to be stacked. Joe Jordan from USVI has hit 700. Pena, of the reigning world champion, has hit 700. Eddie Berglund, who temporarily moved up to 74 if, um, was deep in the 700s, weighing 70 kilo. We didn't fill out 74 kilos. He's was roughly 70 kilo. He went deep into the 700s. And um, I slid into his DMs and asked him, Are you going 66? Are you staying 74? And he's like, I haven't decided yet. I might move back down to 66 and try to take that world title first. And I'm like, man, you know, before you leave, you might want to, yeah, exactly. Like before you bulk up, you don't want to have regrets. Right. So we'll see this 66 kilo class is going to be stacked even without glad kick, even without Ilya.
1: Yeah, we won't go to a full preview. Yeah, but, you know, losing out on two Russians, we had some other people step up and come in here. So it's still going to be an interesting weight class. And maybe for Eddie, initially he wanted to go 74. And then once he saw maybe some of the entries, because I think he was initially nominated at 74, once he saw some of the entries and probably saw Taylors going, and, you know, he's going to be... You know maybe 100 kilos behind taylor says so no shot at first but if he goes d- down to the 66s he has a shot so he's like okay let's switch go back down to the 66s and take that shot and there's also a new lifter i haven't really researched them but a lifter out of japan Kyoto ushiyama at 678 so there's five guys at 675 and above so it's still going to be a great battle on that 66.
0: has eddie officially moved back down on the nominations already
1: Yep, he's on there yeah, right now. Okay. Uh, he's at the seven twenty eight point five, but anyone who looks into it will see that was at seventy four, and he's done. I think six ninety seven point five in the sixty sixes.
0: But listen, that's an official total. He still hit. Yep. You know, he's still shifted at not just gym total to to depth on squats paused unbenched the whole nine. I mean, he's strong as fuck for a sixty six, and um, I know he's seventy kilo, but he wasn't a full on seventy four like. So his his total will dip for sure. But the, his top end, he is super strong, Eddie. So we'll see what he does. Um, talking about the 74s, though, so return of the king, Taylor Atwood. Taylor needed to only essentially sleepwalk through dead, sleepwalk through bench or uh, squats, but hit a 202.5-kilo bench press. So he we went all out there. He had said ahead of time um, he's dealing with an injury. And obviously, Worlds is right around the corner. The big thing is win the world title punch your ticket to Sheffield. You got time to recover even winning the world title. I mean, there was no 74 kilo ever. That's been close to Taylor since he lost to gel from, uh, from Norway back in 2017. And then he came back in 2018 won worlds, but shell wasn't there. Uh, sorry. I said jealous. shell wasn't there. And, um, and then in 2019, they finally faced off to settle it and Taylor beat him, And, and, uh, you know, shell wasn't even close at that point. And since then, nobody's close and uh, he could probably win worlds and nobody would be close. But when he goes to Sheffields and we start using calculators and whatnot, who knows? We'll see what happens then. That's, that's pretty far down the road. So for him, he could somewhat sleepwalk through this. I'm sure at worlds, he won't be sleepwalking. He'll go all out. But if he's injured, he doesn't need to risk re-injury or whatnot.
1: Yep. yep. Basically, that is like, you know, all all his squats and delts. If you go watch the live stream, he looked like, you know, warm weights really easy for him and feeling good. And he got to push the bench press and get that 202.5 with maybe another two and a half in him. So imagine he goes to Worlds and he's pushing the bench, uh, the squat on the and he has a 205 bench on him. That's going to be pretty ridiculous. So it's funny that right now in nominations, he's nominated second because it's 732.5, and uh, Yakov from Kazakhstan is 733. But really, you know, Taylor's going to go to Worlds, and he can easily hit 775, 795, 8, 825, whatever he wants to do. Uh, but the other guys will be in that battle in that 7025 to 735
0: range. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of funny that Taylor Atwood is nominated second right now.
1: <laughs>
0: That's a small victory for Yakov.
1: <laughs> you should cherish but, but But he he may anger Taylor by seeing himself at number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Don't bring out the monster in him. Um <laughs> Well, I feel like I got a sneeze coming on uh, in the 83s Delaney Wallace. So what I talked about Delaney. So leading into this, he had already hit an 822.5. So we know he's his top end. He's hitting 822.5 almost a year ago. Expected him to possibly hit more, possibly lay off the gas and cruise to something a little over 800. But watching it, if I'm honest, he didn't cruise to 810. That's what he ended up with. 300 kilo, <coughs> excuse me. 300 kilo squat wasn't cruise control squat. He didn't take a lesser squat just because it was so easy. Um, same with with the bench press. It wasn't cruise control 190 bench. That was super duper easy. Deadlift started rounding out a little bit better form in terms of getting nice smooth lifts in, and got a 320 kilo, which is a 705 pound uh, dead. The 300 kilo squat is 661 pounds just for and the 190 kilo bench is 419 pounds just for our American friends listening but um it wasn't super duper easy cruising through and getting to this 810 now 810 still nice I talked to Delaney and he said I guess it had to do with the cutting and the recomp and um he doesn't he doesn't like to sweat too much when when he's when he's doing his cut so it's going to come out of food and then it'll recall eating a bunch of food after he makes weight. But I think whether it's what he ate amount he ate or whatever it was, um, he could feel it when he like braced wearing his belt and he could feel like it was not good. So he couldn't, so he, uh, it affected him in ways that it hadn't previously. Now that's okay here. And you know what, if, if, you get, need a warning signal that you need to change something you're doing. Let it happen right now. Cause he was okay to handle that. Uh, Sean Jin, who, who's a junior. Um, wasn't going to take his open title. Talk about Sean in a minute. However, at worlds against Tim Monogati, who who's already struck eight Oh eight in is actually competing this weekend. And we'll let you guys know what Tim Monogati ends up doing this weekend. But eight I'm assuming, is not going to beat Tim Madagati. And um, he's going to have to return to form, which he's capable of. Wallace is capable of. But if depending on what Tim does this weekend, he's going to maybe even need to go beyond his previous best. Um, And the rest of the 83s of the world, they're all in the late 700s leading into this on the roster, like a bunch of them in the late 700s. It would not be surprising to see some of them now hitting 800 themselves. So learning experiences are all along the way when it comes to being an athlete, you know, in life period. It's when you have these learning experiences. Having this now is okay. But it's got to be learned from and make for real adjustments going into worlds. So if there's something about, maybe you do have to sweat a little. You know, maybe taking a pound of sweat out, but eating a pound of food the day before that's 3000 calories in your system waiting. So the next day you don't need to eat as much because your body has 3000 calories in there from a pound of food and a pound of water is easy to drink. And we from adjustments like this, you know, these are the type of things you learn from doing over and over. And, uh, chance talks about it all the time. You know, he, we, we had these conversations. Um, so it's all good but uh it w- it was it's a learning experience man we'll see what happens what are you what are your thoughts
1: yeah I mean I, I have to agree with you and if Delaney ends up listening to this I think he will take that feedback he's not the type that would be like oh man they're talking smack about me he'll understand that it wasn't the top end day they were hoping for like they were saying some big numbers if they're feeling great they were gonna push for and it just wasn't there the 300 squat looked like an all-out grinder the bench He missed the 187.5 in his opener. I think maybe his butt came up or something. Took it again on a second. It was a struggle. He went up to 190 in his third. uh, Got that. That was a struggle. The like you said, is the one he turned around where he had 320 with more in the tank. But even if we said he has 10 more kilos, if he has 330, you're only at 820. You're not back to where you were um, last year's Nationals. So if you're trying to make progress and do more than that and hit PRs and break world records, they have to go back and, and assess what's going on. And it potentially, like you said, could be the weight cut. Um, not only maybe the way they're doing the weight cut, but also he weighed in 82.3. So either they water cut too much and came in too light, or maybe, you know, they were already walking around too light and then it was just affected them that way. So maybe they have to go back to the drawing board, see how they can, you know, make the cut more efficient. Like you said, whatever methods they want to use that he feels good with. And then seeing if they can execute more on the bench press since they lost a little bit strength there. And then the Delph is there because, yeah, these other guys are coming. He's nominated at 810, which is still first on the nominations. Tim Monaghani is right behind him at 808.5. We'll see what Tim hits. And then you have these other guys at 8, uh, 780, 785, 770. So he's going to need at least that 810. If not yet, he's going to need 815, 820. We'll see uh, what t- Tim can push him. So he's got to come uh, on point because potentially with the travel and stuff, the numbers may take a little bit more of a hit. Like the bench may be even more difficult. Um, but from talking to some of these guys, we were all at dinner that final night. They're already planning for worlds. We won't give out all the details, but they're planning what adjustments they're going to make and how they're going to prepare to put themselves in the best position when it comes to worlds.
0: Even like getting as into it as like, if you don't want to eat too much or sweat and you you revert your calories to liquid, you got to monitor how many calories your calories are your gas. You know, you, if you feel like you're running out of gas, you don't have the strength. Sometimes it comes to how many calories have you consumed? And then, um, how much, how quickly are you digesting? If it's foods after you eat, if you're trying to recomp calories like that, like, are you digesting in time to even get in your body? Like all of it is timing too. Um, and that's okay. You can adjust these things and, and not made Delaney's. Me and Delaney got good. Really, he knows, man. I'm not, these are critiques, but by no means are we shitting on Delaney. That's my boy right there. But um, you know, you got to call it when you see it. This has got to be, I don't know. I don't think I don't, I would be surprised if eight ten 10 is going to win worlds, but I would also be surprised if that's his top end when he gets to worlds, he's going to adjust. Um, and I am very interested at what Tim does this weekend and uh and, and also man like like you had said 785 that's going to be 800 by the time you, that who, who's 785
1: you have actually jerns kangamo at 788 and then some lifter from cameroon fong gang to chap at 785 you have amelio comedi at 770 and even down at uh 760 you have uh Asain and Aharo, i believe joey coaches him as well with that monster deadlift so you always have to watch out for that last worlds he was a little bit injured so he pulled back on squad bench and went all out on deadlift i believe but now if he's healthy coming in with all three he could have a big total as well
0: and fata is in there too man and believe me that guy is not where his nomination he, totals are um is he not in 83 and is he in there no, Let me take a look.
1: he's in there but he's as a reserve and yeah, he's uh, at tw- at 27th at 660. So if he gets in, that's is, he's going to be, but the issue is going to be, he's going to be in the beginning flight because he's so low uh, and they have, there's 32 lifters. So they're going to have to break this up. So that hurts them if he does come, but even,
0: have, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, but even then he could still put up a big total in the first flight. Um, Let's see, he did 797.5 in 2019. So let's say he puts up 800 in the first flight, then these other guys going to have to chase them when it comes to their, dead, their deadlifts.
0: Yes, a lot of these, you could have two other fellas in the 800s uh, easily. Um, so, I mean, yeah, who knows, man? Who knows how it's going to shake up until it actually hits the platform, but it's going to get competitive at the world championships as you would assume it would be. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Now, the 93s, my man. Holy smokes. We thought it'd be a battle. Um, we thought these guys were going to push each other. And my God, did they? Jonathan Keiko is starting to turn into Mr. Perfect. <laughs> Here is his third showdown against an elite opponent that pushes him to go all in. And Jonathan Keiko now three times in a row has gone perfect nine for nine. And then even before those major showdowns, he went nine for nine as well. He's gone nine for nine for the past three years. He's never missed a lift on the platform. And usually easy enough. If you're just doing local meets and you're relatively unopposed, you go nine for nine. Cause no one's pushing you to overextend yourself. Jonathan Kaiko has been in battles, heavily hyped battles for USAPL raw Nats for IPF world's, And now P.A. Nats, you know, just battles all over the place in the consistency he has shown to be able to consistently go nine for nine and beat elite level opposition. Um, Going into the world championships, due to that alone, he's going to have to be the favorite. You know, history is the greatest indicator of future. However, however, the amount of class 93s in the world, when you throw in Gavin Gavin Eden's back when you throw in Gustav Hedlund's back. And if Chance Mitchell comes back, you know, you got Superman David Ricks is coming back. Sasha's coming from Germany with a monster deadlift on Sasha, breaking world records himself. I mean, the 93s are absolutely stacked on the world scene. And Jonathan Keiko, this is like <coughs> I was talking to Jonathan, you know, when they have those superhero movies. And every superhero movie you have that arch villain and Jonathan seems to always have an arch villain that he's got to deal with and the good guy wins. But my God, is it the fight of his life? <laughs> and then when you get the four movies deep, what do they do? They bring it all the villains together and he <laughs> like, has got to fight them all. And like this no is, way, no way home. And this is no way home, baby. And, jo- and Jonathan Keiko is going to find himself in South Africa, IPF worlds, and it's no way home. And all of the super villains have united. And um, it's going to be an amazing showdown. Hopefully, Chance ends up on the team and ends himself there because he's it's just it, it's just more stacked. When you got a deadlift like Chance, you're never out of it. You no, know, Chance got seven eighty five point five kilo. If from now till June, Chance can get that into the eight eight eighties, any given day that can win worlds. And eight eighties is five kilo away. Any given day, Chance if he can throw five kilo on his total. Are you telling me from now till June? Chance can't throw five kilo on his total when he's already at eight seventy-five. The percentage he needs to get better is so low. And if you look at it, he probably had two and a half kilo on a squat. He might have had two and a half kilo here and there. Like he probably did. <coughs> Excuse me. So Chance has a chance. You know he one hundred percent does. People trying to write him off. When you got a deadlift like Chance's deadlift and how close he is, all of these fellas have a chance. You know, Gavin, Gustav, Sasha, all of them can win IPF Worlds. Believe it. Now, out of respect for the fact that Jonathan Keiko, this isn't belief. This isn't potential. This isn't what I've heard he's done in the gym. He's put it on the platform and done it and, and over and over again against all of these guys obviously he's got to be the favorite however it's always been tooth and nail it's always been tight it's always been dramatic um but my God, like listen how is jonathan not gained fans he's the nicest guy you're gonna meet super friendly we'll stop and take a picture with anybody and exchange stories and uh and he's always in a riveting sports battle and he and he comes up he's not all talk and doesn't come up he comes up and and Always in a good battle. if I hear Jonathan Keichel's on the platform like I bet mean, it's gonna be good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean think? for uh, we kind of hinted at it earlier with Eric Kupperstein, the way it works for people who don't know as far as the IPF is for the open age division you can nominate eight men and eight women. So we have our eight men nominated, and then since Chance got second place, he falls into the reserves or the alternates. So one of those eight people would have to back out for whatever reason for Chance to get in. So that's what we were talking about earlier. Maybe Eric Kupperstein says, like, hey, I'm going to be 10th, but Chance could possibly win. So let me step back and focus on Masters Worlds and let Chance take that spot. Or someone else, you never know. People have scheduling conflicts, people get injured, whatever the reason, some people people drop out. So if in the next four to six weeks before final nomination, someone drops out, he can get in there. And the benefit too is that then you have two people from the same country in a weight class in case. What if Jonathan Keiko finally does have a bad day? What if he does miss some temps? Then you can still have chance get first and Keiko get second or Keiko has another perfect day and he wins first and chance can get second. So you have the opportunity there in case something happens to one, you have the backup there. Uh, And as far as chances numbers, I think personally, I think it's gonna be harder for him to put kilos on his deadlift because that one at nationals is all out grinder. I thought it went down a little bit. Um, I think the bench is where he can make up ground because he hit 192.5 at Nationals last year and only hit 185 and missed the 190 this year. And so whatever happened with what his peaking process, whatever like that, it's possible these next eight weeks, he can readjust, get things better and maybe gain seven and a half or 10 kilos there. And on the squat, I think they maybe had a little bit more in them too. So if you gain like, you know, two and a half on squat, maybe seven and a half on bench, all of a sudden now you're at 885, then yeah, maybe you, you pull whatever you need to try and pull for the win.
0: Yeah, that's it. I mean, in terms of his deadlift, um, I thought it passed. I know some people are saying, I don't know, man. And whatever. Some people, some people who are like judges might disagree. And, and it's, it's one of those, that's what sports are, man. There's going to be controversy. That's how sports go. But nevertheless, you add a few kilo on squat, a few kilo on bench. He just needs his deadlift to, to stay consistent. In terms of the weight, maybe he just needs to clean up so we make sure there's no doubt when he pulls that at Worlds. But the strength is there. He's got months to just refine it a little bit. He knows he could pull that. He just did. So, um, yeah, he's definitely in the hunt. I mean, he's definitely very close. And, And you hit the nail right on the head when you said, in terms of Kupferstein's chances of netting a medal, it'll be difficult looking at those nominations. In terms of chances... You know, he's, he's got a very good chance of making the podium, let alone he could win. He could straight up win. There's no question. He adds a few kilo on squat and a few kilo on bench. Just like you said, nothing crazy numbers. He's already hit or just two and a half kilo more on squat and just bring his bench up in a little bit above what it was previously. And that's not saying a lot. Keep the deadlift rate where it needs to be. You keep the deadlift rate where it is just to make it nice and clean for worlds. And that could be your winning total right there. Cause when it comes to the world championships, people's totals don't know, like other people's totals won't always go up. Sometimes just it's consistency that wins. Ask Jonathan Keiko mm-hmm. consistency wins, get nine lifts in, you know, just consistency. Jonathan Keiko hasn't hit a, had a total PR in years. And Jonathan Keiko's resume in the last three years has been bonkers. You know what I mean? If, if, Titles mean so much more than PRs. Jonathan Keiko hasn't hit a PR total in years, but in the last three years has won US Raw Nats, IPF Worlds, and PA Nats, and is about to go to the world championships again. He, I, there's no way he would trade off one of those titles for a PR. Those titles are what makes your resume, is winning, is what makes your resume. Don't be a local hero at local meets. So Do um, yeah. you want to pull anyway. up his interview? <coughs> Let's do it, my friend. Here is what Jonathan Keiko had to say uh, right afterwards. I had Jonathan Keiko in the booth with me and Gavin Eden was actually in the booth with me calling the 93 kilo class. I asked Gavin to hang back with me and we interviewed Jonathan Keiko. And all right. So we're back live. Jonathan. Talk about another battle. You've gone nine for nine once again. Seems like you can't miss. What were your thoughts coming into this battle? Did you know it'd be this tight?
2: Yeah, I knew. Like,
0: you know me, I'm always... You know
2: the no 93s, I always got to fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> I always have to fight You know, in the 93s, and it's just like... That's what I live for, you know? Like, if it wasn't a fight, I wouldn't be having fun. So, I knew Chance was going to bring his best. And I'm happy he pulled... You know, I knew he'd pull, like, a billion, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know, so I knew I had to, like, show up. So... You know, much respect to chance. He's, he's the man. You know, he d- he deadlifts like eight billion pounds. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, watching someone, watching someone in training just like deadlift, deadlift like one hundred fifty pounds over you every day, you're just like, man, that sucks. You know. <laughs> so, but you know, like, um, it was a good fight, and um, I'm always happy to fight. Um,
0: with how the battle had uh, had unfolded, and you're obviously a veteran to those battles. Looking ahead Another rival of yours Gavin Aiden is going to be there Gustav Hedlund is going to be there Sasha, Sasha is likely going to be there and we don't know yet how the alternates might go We might see Chance Mitchell there as well again. Yeah, that'd be beautiful. Who knows? We'll have to see how that unfolds um, What are your thoughts leading into the world championships? It feels like you never get an easy one, do you buddy?
2: I, you know I think about that a lot and I wouldn't have it I wouldn't have it any other way because it makes it for a fun meet you know and like you know I always come into these as just you know I could I do what I can and I did what I could and if it wins that's great you know and you know that's all it is I I, 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 ha- I love fighting people so much you know <laughs> you know so it's just it's just like it's just me you know that's just me like I'd rather have a clo- close race and just like you know because we're gonna remember these things Win or lose, right? You uh, remember uh, these and experience, experiences the and they, they stick with you for, your, for
0: life. My friend, um, you have definitely given us memories in your last few performances. I want to ask Gavin Aiden a question here Gavin, you see the battle they've had um, and it was sensational. The turnaround's going to be quick. And you guys have battled it out before and it's come down to just half a kilo. What are your thoughts after what you've seen, knowing that you're gonna battle this man at the IPF World Championships for the open world title, the biggest title there is in powerlifting?
1: To be honest with you, man, I'm just excited to earn, earn my place among these incredible athletes. Um, They're strong, period. They're strong, uh, and my job is to get stronger, and and that's it, and and being surrounded by such elite level athletes, people who push themselves so hard, are willing to go beyond their limits every single time, to and that's what this is all about so i'm beyond stoked for the opportunity uh, to earn my way and earn my place among
0: these guys well said i think you speak for all of us man congratulations jonathan amazing i can't wait to see you guys both at the ipf world championships I'll see you in south
3: africa
0: i mean what else can you say right there it is an absolute. like the south africa ipf world championships is going to be absolutely stacked in the 93s
1: yeah, I mean, a lot of these weight classes are going to be crazy how many lifters they have at Worlds. And, yeah, this one's going to be crazy, especially if you get Chance in there. Then you have, like, you know, five lifters that are in a mix. And you never know what these other lifters, like uh, Emil Krastev from Bulgaria. Who knows how much he's progressed. Uh, he did well previously, uh, as well as his teammate, Teodoro Radev. So it's going to be crazy. And also just an interesting aspect going back to this whole Powerlifting American Nationals and live stream. It was just like a nice addition there to have, like, you know, Gavin commentating on his competitors in the '93 battle, and then interviewing each other, you know, right before Worlds, and then you see Chance in the back there too, who Chance might make it in. Uh, I know uh, Joe Jordan from USVI was there watching, so he came and talked to me after Jonathan won and everything like that. So it's like an interesting aspect there that you see in other sports where you know you you're seeing your competitor, you know for the next fight or whatever you're seeing them and get to interview them or or be side by side with them you know maybe talk smack these guys you know so they're super nice so they didn't talk smack to each other uh,
0: I yeah I know the temptation was probably there but Gavin's like ah oh, okay all curb it. <laughs> it's tough because I know they like each other and actually hang out and stuff but um you're right I'm glad you said Emil as well from Bulgaria Emil he's bad he's in the mid 800s and that's from last year and he's probably going to be the late 800s by the time this rolls around <clears throat> excuse me in the late 800s is probably i mean all of these guys in the top six are going to be in the late 800s in the late 800s is where you can win the world title let alone they, the potential we can see a 900 kilo total for sure but you can't miss and you can't get so gutsy like it's a local meat like you don't have someone chasing you so it's tough it's very difficult, but it's such a tight cluster in the top six. We don't do go a full-on preview show, but my goodness, man, you know, the 93s are gonna be absolutely stacked.
1: Um, yeah. And, and you, you never know how much people progress, but the other part as far as it being tight on total is like the little groupings in the deadlift as well. So you have multiple guys at you know 315 to 325 deadlifts. So they have to also worry about, you know, how are they gonna strategize their final deadlift. Then you have Jonathan and Gustav right around 345. So again, there, how do they choose who pulls after who? How much do you push yourself um, to be the last puller? And then you have Sasha, who's going to have the last say unless Chance is there. Then you have Sasha and Chance fighting for a world record deadlift, fighting for placing and possibly the world title.
0: That's the big thing is Chance never has anybody pushing him on deadlift. And with Sasha there, like Chance has got a decent deadlift edge on him. Around 10 kilo, but Sasha also hasn't competed in a little while, so his daylift might be closer to chances than we suspect. Sasha won't have the same travel the chance will have to do, and um, so their deadlifts might be within five kilos of each other. Five kilos when you have a daylift as big as they have is negligible. I mean, you toss that right at that, they're, they're neck and neck. Uh, it'll man. But anyways, we got to resist the temptation to go a full-on preview (laughs) show right now, my friend. But IPF Worlds is going to be absolutely bonkers if you guys take a look at the nominations. There's so many lifters. All right, let's move on into the 105s. And this is uh, Michael Davis, obviously, lifting. There's only one other lifter in the 105s. Michael Davis really just trying to solidify himself, take the USAPL, or sorry, the Powerlifting America team slot. And um, you know, the thing is, so we finished off with an 892.5, and he looked like he was doing relatively good, smooth cru- cruising to you know, a bit of cruise control, but then the deadlifts he started having grip issues, which somewhat surprised me because in the gym that never popped up for him, and he looked so good with the deadlifts in the gym. So I'm not exactly sure what happened there. So the 892.5 although not overwhelmingly you know, intimidating to the other 105s right now. Certainly respectable, but wouldn't make him your favorite to win it. I think Michael is definitely in there as a favorite to win it in terms of the IPF World Championships. He just needs to address now this new deadlift grip issue that I hadn't foreseen um, until right now, not based off of his training anyways. Because uh, looking at Worlds, I mean, he's got a mill. Anatoly is, is not going to be there. Am I right? Let me double check.
1: He's nominated, but I don't see how he's going to make it.
0: I just can't see it. I mean, he's on the nominations. Like who the thing is. So who put forth the nominations? Like did the Ukrainians, they must've done it. So why would they put forth Anatoly if they know he's not going? I don't, I don't understand why you do that. Unless like if Anatoly shows up, holy fuck, that's insane. If Anatoly shows up, with everything that's happening in Ukraine, Anatoly shows up, my God, and he's actually in shape and in condition to rock and roll. Because from the stories I'm hearing that's happening in Ukraine, it's horrific. You know, bodies, buildings, it's insane what's happening. Uh, you almost can't wrap your head around. So if Anatoly actually is training through this as best he can and makes it to the world championships, I don't even know. I don't even know. How 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 would you, how do you think he ends up on the nominations? If if why would they do that if he's not?
1: Well, yeah, the the federation would have to nominate the lifters and then put them in. And they did nominate other Ukrainians for this meet as well as for the bench worlds. So maybe with the bench worlds we get some indication. Does anyone even show up? So we don't know. You know, in, in Anatoly's case, we saw you know him post about him being there uh, and being like in the war zone kind of. But for these other lifters, we don't know who's in Ukraine, who's in another country, who's training, who's not. And so potentially maybe some Ukrainians do make it, but the other thing could be, you know, things that are, we don't know how the situation is over there with the Federation. Like for example, maybe as far as like maintaining government funding on a yearly basis, you have to be nominating athletes for international competitions, or maybe, you know, on the off chance that someone can make it, they do want them on the nominations. Cause if you don't nominate them 60 days out, then it's zero chance of getting in. So it could be little things like that, where they said, hey, let's just send in these names, put it in the team, and if we have to pull them out, we pull them out. It makes no difference. But if someone can make it or if we can keep our funding because of it, then it's worth it.
0: Well, that makes sense to be like, um, I don't know about government funding right now, if they're going to be funding uh, sports with what's going on over there. But in terms of, if they're like, let's just keep this young man's doors open. If he can make it fine, uh, because you know, Ukraine can use some inspiration right now. You know, Ukraine can use some, especially like a sign of strength, literally and figuratively. If like the, the, previous year's best lifter. I mean, he was the best lifter at the IPF World Championships 2021. And there was a lot of excellent lifters on the men's side, including Jesus Oliveres, who we're going to go all over later on in the show. You know, Russell or he and all types of like Jonathan Kaiko, we just talked about. And he was best lifter amongst them at the last IPF World Championships. Like, um, yeah, if he showed up, holy shit, talk about an inspirational symbol for for Ukrainians, uh, for sure, if it's possible. And yep. my God, man, if he showed up,
3: <laughs> Arian, Jesus, man,
0: how would he not be the sentimental favorite? Love me some Michael Davis, love me some Coco, you know, like 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 Coco Clement from France. Um, you, the you know you can't you can't meet a nicer guy. Emil Norling had him on the podcast a bunch of times, but how do you not? How does Anatoly not become the immediate sentimental favorite if he shows up with everything that's happening? You hear stories about like war times world war one world war two and certain athletes um you know in the middle of it participated or whatnot and like what it means to their nations and stuff like frick man we are we're be living through a story you know
1: yeah, definitely i mean it, it would be crazy like one if he showed up and put up like a 800 to 850 total like he hasn't been training but just put up something very light or it'd be crazy if he showed up and put up like a 950 total but the, the way i see it, like I don't see a chance of him coming because we saw the posts and stuff of him going out and helping people. So he's literally there in the thick of things. And, you know, I, I doubt that he's training or training consistently or anything like that. And so I don't, I don't see how he's going to be able to come. And then as far as Mikey Davis, yeah, as you mentioned on the deadlift, for people who don't know, he did 345 for his opener, missed the 368 on his second for grip, and then went up to... 370.5 because they thought maybe they could make an adjustment, hold on to it, and get 370.5, and he missed that as well. So it, it's both good and bad. Um good that he's at 892.5, he's nominated fourth, and that potentially if he can fix out fix the grip thing, all of a sudden his toll is gonna shoot up because he's gonna be able to hold on to that way. But it's also bad that if it is an issue that's now coming up and it continues to be an issue because it's an eight week turnaround, then that can hold him back at worlds as well. Cause like you said, even if Anatoly's not there, it's a battle. Emil Norling at nine seventeen point five, quarantine Coco Clemente eight ninety five, and right behind Mikey's uh, Renee Kaki eight ninety one. So th- those three guys are going to give Mikey run for his money, and he needs to hold on to that deadlift and be pulling you know three sixty five plus.
0: It's so stacked. A guy world class like Michael, if he doesn't get the deadlift under control, could find himself off the podium. That's insane. That's yeah, a stacked class.
1: Yeah, I was gonna to mention too for anyone who looks at the nominations, you can go to Goodlift.info to see them. Emil Norling, the the Delph looks like a typo. Is actually Delph is three seventy five, so he's pulling you know as much as Mikey or more. And then Coco's pulling three sixty five, so as much as Mikey as well. So these guys can wait and see. And if Mikey has an issue where he drops his Delph because of grip, then these guys can just pull whatever they need, pull after him, and drop him in the placing.
0: We'll have to see, but um, yeah, it was interesting. I, I think. um, it shouldn't be anything too crazy. Michael got it right up to lockout and then it came out of his grip. So he fixes the grip issue, uh, but he's got time, but he's, it's got to be addressed. Now talking about the 120s here, we had a bit of a battle here, my friend. It uh Lugo ended up, Big Chief Lugo ended up taking this and uh, finishing off with a 920 kilo total. But Tristan Naselrod, right to the very end ended up pushing Lugo. And initially... In the squats, you know, Lugo ended up passing on his third and perhaps not pacing himself to get all three squats. And well, not perhaps. I mean, he 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 did not, in fact. Um, so he had to pass on one of his lifts. Um, and then around the bench press, you know, things were getting a little bit tight. And at some point, Matt Gary was recruited, and uh Lugo had asked Matt. Do you mind if, or do you mind if you help me out if I need you? And then somebody actually went and got Matt um, and brought Matt into the back and said, can you help Lugo? And Matt told, they had a conversation and Matt was telling me he's, he has started adjusting the deadlifts because he thought what was going to happen with Lugo in the deadlifts was similar to the squats if they didn't adjust. And there's no way Lugo was going to do Apparently, with what Tristan was doing, winning on two, he needed three to push it, and you need to be carefully chosen. And the 342.5 final deadlift by Lugo was probably right on the money because he looked like he didn't have a whole lot more kilo in him. It was exactly what you're going to get out of Lugo on the day because he was going to start running out of gas right there. So the adjustments made was key. And my God, if Tristan nasal rod didn't load up, which mm-hmm. you would think would be far exceeding what he was capable of. And if ever you want, you know, humans, there's some special bias in terms of will, willpower alone made him get what was three sixty two point five. It was 800 pounds up to his knees and maybe even a little beyond. And it, that should be well out of his reach for him. I thought like me, he's not going to break the ground with this in his intensity when he hit the platform, Tristan came actually close to that. You know, if if this ended up being a much tighter battle, I know Tristan ended off with an 890 kilo total. That's because he had to be overextended on his last deadlift. He's capable of more than that. Um, if he could have knocked off, I don't even know how many kilo he need to knock off because he got this deadlift going. You know, it's uh, it ended up being a pretty good battle. What were your thoughts on the 120s?
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as squats... Both of them, I believe, took a 15-kilo jump from first to second. And both of their seconds looked hard. So for Tristan, we only took a 5-kilo jump. And then for Enrique, they just passed on our third. So we gained a little bit of ground there. On bench, it kind of went the opposite way. Both of them uh, were difficult. Tristan's was much more difficult. So I just said, hey, let's pass on it. There's no point in fighting for 2.5 kilos. Let's give you extra rest going into deadlifts because it was a fast session. Enrique ended up getting his third. So he got 5 kilos there. So he gained a little bit of ground. So then it comes to deadlift. And deadlift... First to second, Enrique took a 15-kilo jump. We took a 20-kilo jump. So we gained a little bit of ground again. So we really what we needed was Enrique to miss that third. And so, yeah, they picked a a good number because it was a a grinder, but his grip held up too. I wasn't sure if in in training he had a uh, training lift where it looked like his grip was coming out, but he cut the video. So I was wondering if he was going to miss his third on grip. He ended up holding on to it, locking it out, and that became the Hail Mary. And and Tristan was going back and forth whether he wanted to, attempt the hail mary before we saw enrique's third we were trying to figure it out and i even had bill mccarth on the phone and we were discussing it and finally tristan was just like screw it you know know, how often do you get the chance to pull for the win how often do you get the chance to be a national champion and go to world he's like whatever the weight is throw it on so i had the one slip for 355 and the one slip for 362.5 waiting to see if he makes or misses and unfortunately we had to go 362.5 yeah he gets up to the knees and then just couldn't lock it out so it, it does look like it's a easy win for Enrique, but it was a little bit closer on the day. And just to like show how high level of a battle it was, Tristan, he's a reserve, but he's nominated third in the 120s at World. So just like Chance is a reserve who's nominated second, Tristan's a uh, third uh, nominated. And if he had taken you know, an a easier deadlift, you know, seven and a half or 10 kilos rather than 30 kilos, he would be nominated second. So that's how tough that battle was for them just to get through nationals.
0: Yeah. That's, this is a case where numbers can lie. Like it, it could be like, Oh, that wasn't that close of a battle. Yeah, it was Now, If, if, in, if Lugo did not hammer in that third dead, Tristan's third dead doesn't have to be nearly as big and he could cover a whole lot of ground real quick. And, and Tristan's hail Mary third dead came up to the knees. Like he had, he had a dead in him that day. He wanted it. He believed in the old, I want to go to the world. That's it. Load it up. Let's go. So um, it came close. How big of a deal do you think it was that Matt Gary was recruited halfway through?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember what um, Enrique's original Delph opener was. We'd have to go back and look at the live stream to see how much more it was than 320. But potentially, if it was quite a bit more, and then he wouldn't have as much room to go up on a second, he may have then missed the missed the third. Because let's say his second was like 337, And then he misses his third well then we only have to do five kilos less and if you get 362 up to your knees maybe five kilos less it would go past the knees so you and you never know maybe again if he's opening up heavy on his opener maybe would have taken a big jump to a second and maybe even missed two and that would really open up the door for us so we'll we'll never know but it seems like it was a a good move to drop that opener and get that third delif to uh, shut the door on tristan
0: it's a Handling is key, man. We've told people like, um, you know, you got to. Lugo showed up by himself. He said, and he didn't have a handler. And it's like, man, you have to like, you got to sort these kind of things. Like, it can make all the difference sometimes. Um, But uh, yeah, this was this was a close battle. Lugo was the favorite, I think, going in but the Tristan battle ended up being extremely close and you guys did very well considering you were the underdogs and it actually did come right down to the last deadlift. And it was a real deadlift attempt. That was no joke. Like, like Tristan had it up and, and halfway. Um, so it is, and, and a bit of a uh, team KOTL right there
4: <laughs> with uh, you,
0: you handling uh, um big bills lifter right there and yeah. uh, KOTL, uh, kotl oftentimes special guest uh matt gary had to step in uh, ironically enough but yep. uh, but anyways so let's talk about the 120s man my uh, god the, 120 plus 120 plus sorry um and my god everybody's talking about this as they should jesus oliveros we didn't know we were going to get coming into this and uh talking to joey i think they they were thinking like you know let's we'll probably have some fun. We'll load up the bar with some weight, but it depends on how the weight shifts. You know, if it's, if it's big struggles, let's not get too crazy, but if he's feeling it and the weight shifting nicely, we think he could rebound in time for worlds. And we know Ray Williams is not going to be at worlds. So it's not necessarily like some of these individuals, like Delaney Wallace is Tim Manigotti waiting for, him. you know, um, obviously the 105s, Michael Davis has, you know, a slew of people waiting for him. Jesus Oliveras is probably a man on an island in terms of his top end potential with no Ray Williams around. So they have a little more leeway to let go. Holy smokes, man. 450 kilo squat, 992 pounds. And afterwards, Joey's like, damn, makes me want to have loaded up a thousand. And I told Joey, I was like, listen, a thousand pounds is a big mental thing though. So sometimes you don't just to let mentally have more ease and someone just approaches it a little differently. This isn't the time to necessarily overly mentally stress your guy either. Just let him, you know what I mean? Like there'll be plenty of times where he is. Uh, moved on to a 257.5 kilo bench press, which is uh, 560, whatever the heck, pounds.
1: Yep, somewhere around there. I'm, I'm and, only looking at it in, in kilograms. Gotcha. And uh, then, 567. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And then the last deadlift, 402.5 kilo, um, which is 885, 86 range pounds of a deadlift. Absolutely crazy deadlift. The biggest deadlift we'd seen in the IPF. This is all unofficial world records. Uh, Well, that isn't an unofficial world record. Um, The world record total, it's unofficially still held by Ray Williams because he is the unofficial world record total from the Arnold Classic. So, but I mean, we're talking, we're very close at this point now. You know, we're just kilos away and Jesus Oliveras is 24 years old. You know, or it, it, they got him listed as 23. I know he's no longer a junior. So he turns 24 anyways this year. Think about that. Jesus Oliveras has that quickly caught up to full peak Ray Williams. At only 23, turning 24, that is absolutely insane that he's there already. A peak Ray Williams, though, absolutely no question he's going to exceed the numbers Ray Williams has done in total. Um, probably this year, the the way that he's been moving, uh, it's it's freaking crazy. Everybody was talking about him, you know, that the very next day and all the reposts. What were your thoughts on seeing this transpire?
1: Yeah, I mean it it was a great performance. I I kind of didn't like see it as it was happening. I was obviously following Tristan and everything like that. And I saw the openers in there, but I, I wasn't putting the numbers together. Well, what if he takes these jumps? These are the numbers he's capable of. And at the end you're like, holy crap, like this is crazy. Because for the national records, what they did is they looked at any US lifter that competed at an international competition, so IPF NA, and APF meets, uh, what were their numbers in that weight class and used those as a national records. So I believe the national record total was 1105 that Ray Williams hit at 2017 Arnold. And so at the end, I think they were looking at that. Plus they were looking at Jesus's PR delve in the meet was 400. So they won the 402.5 and that ended up being 1110 total. So he uh, did more than the national total that Ray Hasley broke the national record and an unofficial record total. And then I'm like, Holy crap. I didn't n- realize he already caught up to Ray that much. Um, so that's pretty ridiculous. And like you said, the Delaf would also be unofficial because Ray has that 398.5. So going into Worlds, he can do exactly the same numbers, break the world record Delaf, break the world record total, be a world champion again, and then just go from there. Um, and... As far as the other thing you said, as far as like when to push and when to don't, it's always a, a tricky situation because some people thought Ray was going to be unstoppable for years, and now we see you know Ray gets sick, Ray gets injured, missing out on competitions. Um, we'll see what he's going to be like when he finally gets back to full form. So it's like, well, do you how many chances do you give up? Maybe in nationals okay, you give up the chance because it's eight week turnaround. But do you give up? on pushing it at worlds every year and pushing at nationals every year to try and save yourself. And then maybe three or four years down the line, you know, you're out of it too. And you never got the chance. Right. So for some of the lifters, they may say like, listen, what if Ray never gets his chance to try a 500 kilo squat? So when Jesus has a chance, they're going to load it up. They're not going to pass on that. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what they do. Obviously for here, you want to get the world, world title. So you want to cruise the nationals and not hurt yourself. Cause like I said, he's not going to have any competition. Um, the next person's at 975 and he's at 1110, but at some point they may want to push him a little bit more and get to that thousand pound squat and then work from there and put up some crazy numbers at international meets uh, and not hold back.
0: It's freaking insane, man. I mean, we seen Jesus, you know, from, from, he was like 21 years old doing crazy things. And you kind of seen the tidal wave of momentum coming with him. And uh, as soon as he hit the scene, his Instagram name was because what is it, Optimus Prime something for Ray and his is Megatron ish, whatever. Um, so it, he always knew it was him and Ray that were going to clash, if not dead on together. It's Ray's numbers that he's trying to solidify himself with. Um, and him and Ray will clash at some point, possibly Sheffield in the future. But it is going to happen. But even if by the time it happens, it isn't a clash we were hoping for because Ray isn't going to be the old Ray. Ray's numbers are still there. And uh, to your point, so 2017, I think, was actual international recognized Arnold. And then I think 2019, it was not internationally recognized, but he had a slightly bigger total. Um, So those numbers would be Ray's biggest numbers. And Jesus was just shy of that, I think. I don't remember Ray's total uh, off the top of my head, but it's close. Um, and, and that's, that's probably the next one for him to go for.
1: And, and the other thing I want to add in there, just because you mentioned, um, when Jesus started uh, on open IPF, maybe he's done other meets before then in Texas high school, thing, but he did a 2019 USAPL meet and he did a 902.5 kilo total at 20 years old, which leads me to say his brother at 22 years old, just did a 900 kilo total. So it's interesting to see, you know, two years difference or slightly less than that, depending on when their actual date of birth is. But now his brother Pablo is making this run. If he's already at 900 with, you know, same, same genetics and stuff like that and they're training together, maybe same programming stuff, what's Pablo going to turn into in two, three, four years?
0: Dude, when we were in Sweden at IPF Worlds, Jesus told me in the back room, he's like, I was like, uh, you can't take your foot off the gas because whether or not Ray comes back um, to full steam, people emerge people emerge out of nowhere just like you emerge so quickly people come out of nowhere and all of a sudden you were dominant and oh my god you're in dogfights from here on out and jesus is like Doc, it's my brother <laughs> and i'm like for real are you just talking he's like no my brother is going to be a problem for me shortly and i'm like oh well all right well we'll see maybe because he's family you know you think highly of him and I remember checking out his brother's numbers. I'm like, well, not that close though. No, he's at 900 kilo already. His brother is already at 900 kilo and his brother is shifting some massive weight already. His brother for sure could be a problem if you're looking at that. Um, and I think his brother started later on in life than Jesus did. So even though it, uh, his brother's a little older than when Jesus was hitting those numbers, I think he started a little later as well, I think. Um, don't quote me on that, but you no, know, Pablo... Pablo is a threat, man. Uh, It's it's it would be crazy if brother versus brother, if two brothers got a clash. At some point, they would have to be like, "All right, bro, you're going USVI, and I'm going USA, and we clash at worlds." But we're not clashing for the national team spot. It's got to be a movie, and we clash at worlds. As a matter of fact, you have to move there. I don't even (laughs) want to see you on the homeland. (laughs) <laughs> Whoever has the it's 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 loser leaves town, but it's country. Whoever has the smaller total is gonna leave the country and we clash <laughs> at worlds, and that's the Netflix movie. But um, but listen, you know we laugh. In two years' time, this might be a big rival. This is like this could be brother versus brother, and because it's powerlifting, you each have your time on the platform. Your brothers, you don't have to like you're not it's not basketball. You're not stealing the ball from him and dunking on him, you know, like that. It's not boxing. We have to hit the guy. It's it's weightlifting. You each have your time on the platform. You could celebrate the other guy even. You know what I mean? That's totally fine. It's nothing, uh, it's a lot easier to do. Um, at this world, you've seen them bump. It was like, it was It was sports moment when one brother, the younger brother's leaving the platform, older brother's right there in the wings and younger brother's like, like gives him some encouragement as he walks by. An older brother has the headphones on, gives him a nod like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do what I gotta do. Or younger brother leaves the platform having just missed a lift. And there's a little miffed, little rattled, big brother. And you know, you big brother, look out for little brother. As he's leaving the platform, big brother, make sure to make eye contact. And it's like, it's all good. Come back. You know, it's all good. You'll get it on the next one. Let's go. Like if there's little moments like that, that were cool as shit to watch. You don't get to see stuff like that necessarily. And then obviously when the celebrations happen, they're right there arm in arm, man. Um, I don't know, man. It was something else. Um, um, it was literally historic to see somebody, especially with the deadlifts and, and coming this close to the total. And, um, and yeah, he had space, he had space to round off. He had eight that's four pounds a side on his squad, eight pounds, and you're already 992, four pounds on that side. For it's more the mental thing, you know what I mean? So, um, they could load up a foul, they could load up a G, they could load It's all 2020 hindsight. Like we should have loaded up a G, I got you, but a G changes a lot mentally you know what i mean uh so i understand it we actually have the jesus oliverus interview here i want to play for people my friend oh my goodness um had no idea you would be making history today myself
3: what are your thoughts right now the touching moment with your family your brother meeting you in the wings after that how are you feeling right now it's a pretty surreal moment, just because um, from last year, just right on the wrongs, you know, it was really a big hit to a hit to my ego and just my mentality as a competitor to like be able to have my deadlift as my as my trump card, and then to go through a transition where I had some unhealthy weight gain, and then it's almost been like a year and a half of just working on my nutrition, working on my deadlifts, just mastering my craft, making sure that I don't have any weaknesses as a competitor. And then to do it in front of my family, um, they were traveling from East Dallas, and it's just just a real surreal moment, especially to do it as my last meet as a junior. I'm going to be aging out at Worlds, so like this is an all-time record for a junior wrapped and sleeved, um, and I think it's like number three, number two, number top four all-time, untested, tested. So to do that as a drug-free athlete, it's just, I think it's a testament to um, to God. You know, I, I think I did a, a podcast when I talked a little bit about mental health, and around 2019, you no, know, like 2018, like the fall going into the winter, it's just like from the moment I decided to walk away from that part of my life and just to build and build to make it here, to be in an all-time position, and like the golden era of powerlifting, I would like to say. And a lot of pe- I think a lot of people would agree. It's just a very surreal moment, very surreal. What would you tell that 2019 Jesus Salvadoris? I would tell him.
4: I mean, because I'm a little big on like
3: like hypothetical time travel and everything. So it's like, I think I would just tell him like, don't stray the course. Just keep, keep grinding. Like, your moment's going to come. And it's just, like, I'm a small-town boy. Like, I've, I've talked about, like, just uh, the legacy that I'm leaving. And it's just to be at this point at the age of 23. Like, it's everything. All I want to do is just give God thanks for putting me in this position, for giving me the gift. Because uh, trust me, Ryan, I know that I, know. I got a gift. And it's just to be able to maximize it at this point. It's just... I man, I, I really can't i really don't have much words for it my friend I, the feelings mutual i was lost for words watching you i can only
0: imagine okay so um look at right there i can tell you right there because i was cl- up close my man was getting emotional yeah and uh could you tell
1: <laughs> yeah towards the end i can tell it sounded like he was like, getting emotional
0: you you could see the tears well enough man you don't know people's journey you know, um, he talked about briefly, like very briefly there, but on the podcast, he went a little deeper. He he gone through some mental health issues, and um he touched up on a stitch right there. But uh the turnaround some people can make, you know, and, and in terms of mental health, man, you know, people think you're weak if you do mental health. Well, there's no stronger man than Jesus Olivares right now. You know what I mean? So, like that, it helps break stigmas like that. And um, yeah, man, in in turn ter- for a young dude, 23 years old. To be doing what he's doing and, and have this kind of thrust into the limelight that quickly. You know, um, Joey Flex came on afterwards. We'll play that interview in a second here. But, um, you know, he was even Joey Flex was like, this is crazy, man. I remember seeing Ray Williams doing what he's doing and being like, I'll never have somebody I could be able to push to beat Ray. Like, that's crazy. And then he's like, oh, my God, here we are. You know, like it's, it's, I remember watching Ray Williams and then now I have an athlete and I'm like, I think we might be able to do this. And he's, and he's pushing a heavyweight, you know, um, it's, 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 uh, it's surreal to watch unfold.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna add to because I, I didn't get a chance to listen to any of these interviews. So the, the two things I noticed too is one, like you said, the mental health thing is that people assume, oh, he's the strongest guy in the world. Like he's a big dude, like he doesn't have any problems. And it's like, no, you, you never know what people are going through and what issues they have behind the scenes, and which he's I guess discussed before. And then the other thing too, he was saying how he went and reassessed and worked on his nutrition, because again, people assume oh, he's a super heavyweight, he can hit eat whatever he wants. People always, are, you know, like mass moves mass. And it's like, no, muscle mass moves mass. And as a natural lifter, there's only so much muscle mass you can put on your body. So you don't want to be 190 kilos and just be fat. He's not going to be strong that way. So he wants to be more in that, you know, 165 to 175 kilos and have as much muscle mass as possible. So the lower he can keep that body fat and put on as much muscle, he'll continue to build that total, um, especially that bench press. And he's going to have the biggest total in history soon. Like I said, I pull up an open powerlifting. He's number three all time. Uh, Dan Bell, Ray Williams, and then Hazer Olivares,
0: And that, that can be shaken up, dude. That can be shaken up because this guy's 23 years old. You know what I mean? And, and this is him not going full send either. Right. Um, so let's, I mean, he's still technically a junior right now. You know, he'll age out. But You know, this is the year he ages out, but still, it is pretty crazy. Um, let's play Joey Flex. Because having said this, so looking at everything that happened in the men's division, Joey Flex sat in the booth with me and we talked about the world championships. We talked about uh, what he had witnessed here with powerlifting America. And then we talked a little bit about the future, which is going to be Sheffield. Joey Flex, obviously having coached several of these individuals um, on the men's and the women's that we're going to talk, talk about in a second, but I want to jump to this Joey Flex interview because I think I talked to Joey either uh, I think, or actually just before Jesus Alaveras
3: snap my man Joey
0: oh my lord um, I, I wasn't sure if, if, if oh sorry, sorry I wasn't sure if Jesus is gonna be holding back or not but what are we looking at here what is happening with the flex fam here today
4: um, I really believe that this you know federation is allowing us to kind of start from scratch basically right yeah and really just take everything to another level I really, I really, really believe that. I promise you next year at this meet, the the attendance is going to be so much bigger. And I, I really do believe that personally. I take it personal. Oh. That like I have a hand in this. The like heck? I need to, I need to, I want everyone to win. I want every federation to win. And I believe to do that, you just need to, you need to keep pushing the limits. You need to keep, you know, you need to take it to that next level, that world level, the level beyond the world level. You know what right. I'm saying? We need to make noise we need to just be compelling the word compelling is something i've been like focusing on right lately and i'm like yo what is compelling a 990 squat it's by nice a young man by any is compelling yes you know what i mean and i just i just really feel like um you know obviously like you see the rosters like <laughs> flex boys right and i'm like you know what we have an opportunity here to really you know take it into our hands and and the th- the things that we can do by pushing piloting america ipf obviously you know we support everything i really i really do believe that like i'm kind of like in the middle and i'm like yo i gotta i have we could do great things right now i could do we could push powerlifting to that next level or i could just you know be complacent and i don't want to be complacent i want to i want to keep i want to keep pushing it higher you know what i mean
0: i do and speaking of how excited were you for the announcement of sheffield the importance of powerlifting american mats rose when that happened obviously the world championships Is the ticket to Sheffield and what did that mean to you and your athletes when you seen that announcement?
4: Yeah, I mean um, you know, obviously the prior worlds we had a Pretty good roster over there and you know Some of our lifters wanted to stay because they're just kind of burnt out on traveling and things like that And the schedule and stuff some of them uh, wanted to stay and continue to pursue the world level in Sheffield and I knew you know when Sheffield was first announced um i i had access to like i could see the tickets right like 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 people buying tickets over time because like we get like guest tickets or whatever and and i saw the stadium and i saw them fill up yeah. and so many europeans were like hey man i'm traveling to come see this meet i i can't wait to meet you to do this and that and it was such a it was su- I mean, there's nothing in powerlifting that's ever been like that you know what i mean where you literally feel like it's 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 a sport. It's like a, it's, you know what I mean? Like I, people are traveling to spectate powerlifting. The hardest thing to do is do yeah. a powerlifting spectator sport, and then we're doing it. And that and I just kind of knew, um, you know, that this is this can be something. And I just want to go full force into it. And I r- and I really believe that, um, if this pops off, if we do right, right, if we The Europeans that are watching this are going to see our boys, and when we go to Worlds, they're going to be on point. They're going to be on another level. They are going to bring the best out of us, and we are going to have this level of lifting that the world has never seen. And then beyond that, the best of the best in the world are going to compete at the ultimate powerlifting tournament for a lot. And it's going to be insane. ultimate prize. Is that not compelling? Come on, man. You get no
0: bigger. Um, That's a beautiful setup there's levels of greatness the world championships become a world champion is great imagine chef Guild
4: on top of that it's going to be absolutely insane and i f- and i truly believe it's going to others will see that and say you know i want to support this we want to we want to elevate the sport as a whole we want to provide events like maybe the, i i am confident that all the production here you know producting america spd all of them the ipf they can they can really do something that has not been done before and just blow this powerlifting thing into the next level. You know what I mean? And that's just that's what keeps that's what fires me up. That's why that's why yeah. I get up. You know, out of bed, and I'm like, you know, people are like Joe, you've done this, you've gone to Worlds, and da, da 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 And I'm like, what 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 is there more? Like what I- this this gets me up. Like oh, we got something new, something <laughs> bigger, bigger and better. Yeah. Let's do it. So, you know, I am. Um, I'm just I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy that I have the team of guys that I have, and I'm just excited to continue to build and you know invest in the sport and and just see people grow. And you know, let's talk about his, his squat for a minute. What he did. I remember when I met him, and I, I rarely do this, and I just said, you know, we were very far away from being a world champion at the time, and I was like, you know, what, man, if we put our head down and we work hard, like who knows, like you might be next. That you might be up there one day. You know what I mean? And yeah. in a very short time you know we got along everything popped off and you know a world champion as a junior i mean come on man yeah. we were we were fired up for you know obviously ray couldn't couldn't make it we were so like excited to i can't even believe that that little joey flex right back in the day i knew about ray williams and i was like yo man this guy is insane he's like this juggernaut and i and and little did i know that i would go down this path that would lead me to sort of cultivate this community and inherit some of these lifters and build them up and give them give them you know a chance to to be in the conversation with somebody like that you know what I mean and Mm -hmm. it's just been um I you got to believe of course you have to believe in yourself you have to just like if I didn't think I could do it I wouldn't you know and and in the beginning there's like I remember when you brought me on and we did that Q&A uh I think it was for the IPF and you know there (laughs) it, it was like you know at that time I I only had John Hack winning worlds and I could have just fizzled out after that, but I continue to show up year after year, producing athletes, you know, continuing to, um, uh, like, you know, a lot of those big names in the IPF are what really like motivated us, you know what I mean? We need the Brett Gibbs, we need, you know, the Anatolies, we need the guys up there that really, the Ray Williams, like we need those big names. And I think, um, you know, I mean, my, my flex girls are looking at team France cause they've been uh, popping off we and we've been and, of we've been, and we've been like, man, that's, that's, we got work to do like that is that is um that's what i that's what i want to go after those are those are the lifters that really fire us up uh, because i mean obviously america's super talented we have a lot of stuff here and we need to kind of venture out to other the w- we're th- there's a lot of world-level lifters here you know what i mean and we need that we need those compelling matchups um, i think it's so it's so cool that like you know keiko for example he can meet a he can go against a, a lifter from sweden and they don't even like they completely different like. Setting of being brought up, but they have a, a common, um, you know, just interest which is lifting, and they can relate on that level. And they're c- the other side of the planet. You know what I mean? Right. It's so awesome, and there's so much respect there. It's so much like camaraderie and like, like, yo, wow, you really brought out the best of me. You know what I mean? Because you, because you were up there, and I think, and I think it goes both ways. You know, we we see those world lifters, a lot of people see us, and and um, you know, I don't know. I'm just I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to create opportunities for people like. I realized the biggest impact I can make on lifting is, um, you know, being the best coach and mentoring guide that I can be to these guys. And and through that, um, I think we're really going to be able to just, like I said, man, just bring quality lifting and bring um, just another level of just execution and, you know, just push everything to the next level, man. That's all I want to do.
0: Okay. I mean, you can see how fired up he is. Yeah. Um, obviously, so he's talking about uh, bring a lot of support behind the powerlifting America situation because he's a big believer in the world championships uh, and in terms of like a global sense and uh, he's talking about how. It's A beautiful thing how someone like Jonathan Kaiko can go battle out with somebody from the other side of the world and, um, and go toe to toe. And obviously, he's, I mean, he's, he covered a lot of ground there, talking about the women in France and Anatoly and the whole nine. But, um, what were your thoughts hearing Joey Flex, who was obviously excited excited for Sheffield, excited for the world championship showdown and the IPF Worlds? What are your thoughts, sir?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good to hear from Joey and these other people how many people like you know enjoyed the setting as far as the equipment and the setup as far as start times and how smooth it went. People like the live stream that SBD put together and flying you in, and everything like that. And it's good that people understand you can't compare, you know, year one of Palafting America to like year 40 of another federation of USA Palafting, of Canadian Palafting Union, whatever else. You know, you we don't know what year one of you know CPU or USAPL was or year 10, or whatever, because we weren't there. Um, but they've made improvements over the last years. Um, even just the last five to ten years of improving their locations for nationals or live streams or sponsors, all those kinds of things. So now, like he, like Joey said, it's a restart. Now Power of the America has to start from this base level and build things up. So yeah, he thinks you know this year I think sixty one people signed up, like forty six or forty eight end up competing. So he thinks it's going to be much bigger. Or less next year we'll see. You know if it's two times bigger, three times bigger, four times bigger. Um, but at least the lifters that want to get the world, especially Joey's lifters, are going to get the chance. And like he said, Sheffield, they're going to get the chance of Sheffield. You know, you got Delaney, Delaney in the 83s, Keiko in the 93s, Mikey in the 105s, and Jesus in the 120-pluses, all balloting it out for that first-place spot and getting that automatic spot to uh, Sheffield.
0: Yep. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, in the 120-pluses as well for the juniors, uh, you got Pablo. And uh, so some of these lifters are going to be – like the. PA junior Nats is still to come. And um, I know Joey's got some lifters that are going there. So, um, and in the future, you know, in future's time, sometimes you win that junior title and you're like, I'm done. Even if I'm still a junior, I'm moving into the open. Let's see what happens. Uh, but yeah, exciting stuff. Shall we move on to the women, sir?
1: Well, I was just going to mention the last thing was just the uh, best lifter. Jonathan, oh, yeah. Ki- Jonathan Keiko won the best lifter with 116 points and actually right behind him, like we all kind of projected, one, one, two was was uh, Chance Mitchell was number two with 114.9. Number three was Delaney Wallace. Number four was Jesus. Number five was Mikey Davis. And actually Taylor went number six. We weren't sure if he was going to make it into the top five or not. But, you know, with how light he went on Squandalf, he ended up in n- number six for the men.
0: So looking at the 47s, we were picking whether or not Heather Connor would be Over 400, under 400. Heather ended up going over 400 at a 402.5 kilo total. um, And obviously is going to be at the IPF World Championships for a much anticipated showdown with Francis Turbo Tiff, whom um, at the French Nationals posted a monstrous 418 kilo total. Um, So we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, what were your thoughts here? Obviously Heather's got time to, to work on things and do whatever she wants to do. But, uh, what were you thinking here?
1: Yeah. I mean, the squat looked like she had a little bit more in her. So let's say like two and a half kilos, the, the bench looked easy. She, I think something happened in her second and she passed on her third. So maybe she has another two and a half or five kilos there. And then the deadlift looked a little bit of a struggle, but again, maybe another five kilos there. So if you say she has, you know, uh, let's say 10 kilos more in her, 12 and a half kilos more in her. Now you're getting closer to Tiff because Tiff's nominated at 418. And so Heather really has, you know, 412, 415 in her. So it's going to be about like we're projecting. But the thing is, what kind of turbo tiff shows up to worlds like is she going to be above 418 or is she going to take a hit going from local meet to international she's hitting some crazy numbers still in the gym i think she put up like a 160 or 165 squat when her pr is 155 so now she's like squatting as much as the 52s it's getting ridiculous so it's going to be crazy what's going to happen at worlds who's going to show up if both of them show up and both go over the world record, it's going to be one of the the best battles there between uh, those two. And and Heller might have to pull you know two hundred deadlift, maybe two hundred two, maybe two hundred five. We don't know. It's insane.
0: Uh, Intertwist had a mock. I don't know if it's like a mock meter, just an SBD day with singles. tips, posting up like she went bef- beyond four eighteen, but this is not cutting or anything like that. So it is you know take it with a grain of salt. It's just the top end is absolutely monstrous. Um, and Heather's doing world games in equipment, uh, so she's got a, a very tough schedule, but you know, I mean, she wants to experience it all. Man, she's been around the block and wants to take it in. Let's go, it's world games coming to us. Let's do it. You know, I got a showdown with Turbo Tiff. Let's do it. You know, however, whoever wins, it's all right. She's already won world titles. And if Turbo Tiff wins with the biggest total of all time, okay, fine, it is what it is. You would have told anybody previous, anyways, right? So, um when you're at the top end, you've got like everything to gain, nothing to lose. Uh, because especially when you already got world titles to your name. Hardest thing is like being able to set yourself that if it all ends today, am I good? And uh, when you've won enough world titles, broken world, world records and whatnot, you're like, yeah, I'm probably now I got nothing to lose. Now it's just let's rock and roll. Let's 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 seek these showdowns to see what happens. Um, yeah. So Heather Connor, um, in the 47s and Cindy Vaughn, was that one of your lifters?
1: Yeah, it's one of my lifters. She um, started me somewhat, started up with me somewhat recently. Did my meet in December, and then I was like, "Hey, I'm going to the American Nationals. There's no qualifying tolls if you want to compete." So she came with her friends and everything like that. I don't, I don't know if you remember, her friends had and her family had all the signs and the yeah. the, the sticks with a picture of her face on it. Stuff like that. So she brought the whole family and friends. They had a time in Austin, and she actually got a alternate spot, a uh, reserve spot on the team. So she's on the nominations as a reserve. Um, So if someone happened to drop out, whatever like that, she potentially has a chance. If not, she'll probably get an invite to the North American Championships of Panama and we'll go do that instead for another vacation. Uh, And I was going to mention as well for the battle between Heather and, and Tiff, the other thing too is if they're both right around that world record total or above, whoever loses could potentially still get into Sheffield because you need that 95% of the world record total. So if you're like, you listen, I'm at 105% of the world record total. And I got second place. They may still put you in as a wild card, So then you can get your rematch at Sheffield.
0: And this is it. This is why you got to show up. This is why you don't back away from competition and neither Heather, nor, nor turbo Tiff are going to back down. You know, the, they, they will seek out competition. win, lose a draw, they want to face the best um and and that's each other man that's you got to go to ipf worlds for that and then potentially sheffield um looking at the 52s marissa inda former world champion in the 52s um you know finished off with a 387.5 she's capable more than that um i got to end it up with a 360 uh, but you want to you want to do enough to win but not do too much to overextend um get your punch your ticket to the ipf world championships when she goes to worlds again france Got Naomi Alibera, got Rico Shizuka. Um, absolutely stacked in the 52s. Canada's got Steph Keen. So 52s is, I mean, Canada's got, uh, 52s got more than that. 52s is a super stacked class. Uh, but Marissa just really wanted to get, punch ticket, and that's what she achieved.
1: Yeah, I mean, I believe she passed on her third squat and her second and third Delph. So she left some in the tank. You know, she's potentially still coming back from the injury from back at nationals. So why take extra attempts? But I think the squat she had like two and a half kilos more in her. The bench, I believe she missed the 105. So if we just take the 102 as is, and the Della looked pretty easy. Maybe she has 10 more kilos in her, maybe 15 more kilos in her. The thing is, like you said, it's stacked. Six lifters are nominated 405 or above. So if we give her, you know, two and a half on squad and 15 on deadlift. She's right in the mix with those lifters in that 405 to 10, 410 range. I think it's going to be difficult to keep up with the uh, Nomi and Suzuka from France, but she can be in the mix there for, you know, top five, maybe even third place, depending on how she can do it from building back from the injury in this next eight weeks. The
0: podium will be insane. Um, but to win, I mean, Naomi Alibar has got 445. Shizuka's got 338.5. That is insane. That is absolutely insane numbers for 52 kilo lifters. Uh, and they're both from France. <laughs> I mean, it is it is crazy what's going on over there. Um, taking a look at the 57s, Alexandria ends up hitting a 375. And um, is she going to be... Let's take a look at here.
1: No, she didn't hit the minimum qualifying total you needed gotcha. to get the automatic spot. So she went into the alternates and i think she may have just declined the alternate spot anyways so as we go through the roster uh, we'll discuss how we get we get to double up in a weight class since we didn't take a 57 but her total would put her right around uh, 11th out of 21 on the nomination so she'd be right there in the middle um yeah, not bad if she was all. able to go yeah
0: 63 kilo class megan Scanlon. Uh, megan obviously previously at the world championships with uh, in the 57 kilo class Um, She came in second at the world championships to Maria T breaking world records, taking a world record total until Maria T walked out with a final deadlift, took the world championships and the world record total um, herself by 0.5 kilo. So Megan Scanlon with a 495 kilo total and clinches her spot um, amongst the 63s of the world, the 63s again,
3: team France
0: again, team France, man. And, um, how do you contend with Leah Bavo? More than likely you don't. Um, I don't think there's anybody in the world who's contending with Leah Bavo. And just like in 52s, no one in the world is contending with uh Naomi Alibert, except for Shizuka, who's also from France. So beyond France, France is just ab super, super dominant right now on the women's side, uh, particularly in those later weight classes. But um, I mean, Megan Scanlon is quality world-class lifter. And the drop off after Leah, I mean, you got Chiari Bernardi, who's a previous world champion in the juniors, now in the open. Uh, Sarah Naldi, also from Italy, who was a previous junior now in the open. And then Megan's right there, uh, you know, just two and a half kilo behind. and She could easily, I mean, she's only five kilo behind uh, Chiari Bernardi. So, Megan Scanlon can find herself with the silver, find herself throwing on the podium, find herself off the podium. That's how close it is. It's all within like just a few kilo and all of these people are world class, as well as, you know, Iris Schulten and, you know, Annie Nelson from Great Britain, Iris from uh, the Netherlands.
1: Yeah, and and Meg held back a little bit. Her squat looked like maybe she had two and a half in her. The bench, she missed her second. I don't remember what the issue was, but she smoked the third, the 122.5. Looks like she had five more kilos in her, maybe even seven and a half more kilos in her, which starts becoming a pretty ridiculous bench in that 63 kilo class. And then the Delph, I think it was pretty, pretty difficult. Maybe she had two and a half in her. So that could put her up into then her real total that day was 505. So now she's in the mix with those Italian lifters. Um, She has the weaker deadlift. So they're going to be a potentially pull her off the podium, but she's definitely in that mix for the podium battle with the two uh, Italian lifters. Plus, like you said, Iris and any of these ladies could progress, pull a big deadlift and get in there. So yeah, no one's contending with Leah, but it's definitely going to be an interesting battle for that weight class.
0: And that gold medal in the deadlift or sorry, in the bench press is looking better and better, but uh, there's some big benchers in there. And when you look at the rankings as well, but she'd definitely be a favorite for the, for the bench gold. Um, looking at the 69s. Now, this was the battle on the women's side. Kristen Dunsmore coaches Chelsea Savitt. And uh, both of them had previously gone to the IPF World Championships. Both of them dealing with injuries. Both of them on a comeback. And this is comeback season. But to spice it up, Kristen Dunsmore was literally coaching Chelsea to take away her dream of getting back to the World Championships. Um, it was a dicey proposition, man. I'm like, Kristen... You know, you made it to, you won the USAPL, Raw Nats, went to Worlds injured and didn't have the performance you, you wanted. This is your opportunity to get back to Worlds and rewrite that ending of that story. And damned if she isn't coaching a lady to try to take away her dream on that. And it became a battle right into the deadlifts where Kristen Dumsmore was actually behind. Now you had been, you had handled her. So I'll let you call the action. But going into the deadlifts, it was looking like Chelsea might pull this off. I mean, she she was breaking American records in the bench press and had all types of momentum on their side. And we knew Kristen Dunsmore had a bigger deadlift, but we you weren't sure how it was going to turn out depending on if the injury was going to be re-aggravated. Um, in training, the deadlift was a little up, a little down um, here and there, depending on how she got sick. So there's a reason for it. But how well did she recuperate? There were questions around it. And you didn't know until the proof was in the pudding right down to the very last deadlift. And she just nudges past her own pupil, the lady that she had brought back. Um, And uh, yeah, walk us through it when you were handling this.
1: Yeah. I mean, going in, like you said, uh, Kristen was dealing with a little bit of injury. Plus she got sick. So she missed some training during her peak. So Chelsea was definitely in the driver's seat going in on opener. She was ahead. Her squat went exactly what I was expecting. I thought her top end was 180.5 to chip the record. And that's what she did. And for us, we pulled back on the squat a little bit because that's the one that would cause pain. So we did a little bit less than her best. For bench, that's where Chelsea slipped up a little bit on the opener. I think she, like, jumped the press command on 113, so they retook 113. And then to play it safe, they only jumped up to 117.5 because you don't want to just get stuck with your opener there. So they played it safe, but she smoked it. So she, if she had executed on her opener, she could have potentially had, you know, another five kilos there on bench, which would have put us in a really bad position. But that helped us out a little bit. For Kristen's bench, her bench was down a little bit, so we pulled back the numbers, and then it was just, we're down to Delph now. What we need uh, to put us in the best position is for Chelsea to miss two delves. So I was telling Kristen, hey, you're still in this, you know, top end. We might have to push, you know, 222, 225 as what I was talking to Jason, but hopefully they miss two delves, so and we don't have to pull that much. And so Chelsea takes the 195 opener, which I thought was a little bit heavy, and we'll never know. It's one of those things you'll never you can't go back and replay it and see what she had on the day as far as strength and grip and everything like that. But they took a 10 kilo jump to 205, which she hit in training. Um, but Bill, as as Bill's mentioned before, she's had grip issues with that weight before. And I think like she barely got off the ground or maybe didn't even come off the ground on her second attempt. So at that point, I had um initially pull down Kristen's second attempt because Chelsea's opener looked tougher than I thought. So I said, okay, let's not take a big jump. Let's pull it down and let's see if she gets her second. She misses her second. So we make our second. And then I took the the jump we needed 215 so for Chelsea to miss her third. And she didn't even go out there and do her third. I don't know exactly what the reason was, if it was just like they knew they had no shot at getting it. Or if there's also the possibility that because it was a short flight, by Chelsea passing, it was also one minute less rest for Kristen. So that could be strategy like, okay, go out there and do yours now with shorter rest. And so Kristen had to go out there and short rest, pull the 215, and she got it and she pulled for the win. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to add in too, like we had mentioned with the 57s, that the lifter didn't hit the qualifying total to make it to Worlds. That means we have an extra spot, and that extra spot went to Chelsea, and Chelsea waited till the last minute, like 20 minutes. Before it was due, and she was talking to Kristen, and they both decide to go to Worlds, so they're both gonna get the rematch at Worlds,
0: and that's huge because if they if they do a couple things, look at, um, you could say maybe Chelsea gets you know all three dead or bench presses in, and picks up five kilo there, and then makes the adjustment on deadlifts, so they end up not going quite so heavy on the opener, and maybe they pull back a little on the jump from the opener, so then they get more kilos there. So if you're a Chelsea fan, you're like okay, we got more kilos. However, Kristen Dunsmore is like, if I end up squatting more and I start rehabbing a little better and I start doing a couple things better here and there, maybe my bench comes back up. My bench wasn't there. I'm capable of more on my bench. And then my deadlift, I, could, I still think I'm an out deadlifter regardless. Either way, it's going to be a hell of a rematch. Looking at the 69s, um, the Norwegian March, now with 542.5. Um, is a monster total in the 69-kilo class. Returning world champion Chandler Babb is back. And then former world champion in the 63s 63. or 72, 63s, Ivana Horna is back as well. You got Clara Perrault from France, who's a teenager. And Clara is, is going to be in the Open with a 500.5. Um, and then junior world champion has now entered the Open. And there's two different world championships happening. The juniors and the Open are split. So a lot of these people might be able to do both. They don't have to choose anymore. Agnes Rudin from Sweden, who can hit around the 500 mark as well. Her and Clara kind of junior rivals now both in the open. And then in sixth and seventh, Chris has done more and Chelsea Savitt. See, the Americans got some work cut out for them. That is a, a tough class. The women's division internationally is super uber tough. But um, both Chelsea and Kristen might be able to add some kilos onto their total.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely stacked and it's like different sometimes seeing these US lifters rank so low. We're used to them all being like, you know, ranked in the top three. Now you see, you know, Kristen at six and Chelsea at seven. But like you, like you said, they both potentially have the chance to total more. If Chelsea picks up five on bench and two and a half on Delif. she's in the 500. She's right up there with Clara and if kristen can you know pick up you know some some kilos again on squat and bench and still pull the same on delph she's right up there in 500 as well so it might be tough for them to steal a podium spot it depends on who shows uh, who shows up as far as what they can execute but they can be potentially move up a few spots and get fourth place or something like that and score points for the team because uh, as we'll probably discuss in the preview show the women's side is going to be the harder team award to win than the men's side for the US Oh.
0: Dude, it is so uber competitive. This is a legit world championships. You get number five in the world, it's it's legit. You, you know you're going against nothing but lions. So for either of those ladies to get in the number f- top five is is definitely remarkable, nonetheless. And they're capable, man. Kristen Dunsmore is capable of going into the like more than just five hundred kilo if she's one hundred percent healthy. If she can actually push like she can and and she's back to being healthy, she could go into the five ten range or maybe in a little more depending on how depending on how she feels. Um, but even then, might not be podium. Who knows? You know, not with Avanna Horna's already have five fifteen, and what she's capable of as well. Former world champion herself, um, it's tough, but it's worth it. It's the World Championships to be in the mix. How many people are in the mix, being top five in the world with the world's best? You know, it's it's top. Just to make top five is, is an insane deal for most people around the world. Being like, just to be in that conversation, um, it's it's a hell of an experience. Looking at the 76 is my friend. So Dana McNeil flew all the way from Japan uh, because she's in the military and stationed and an absolutely brutal travel. Uh, Hours and hours and hours in the plane, close to 30 hours in the plane or something crazy like that. Um, The amount of time zones, I I have no idea. It's an amazing amount of time zones. It's incredible. Still posted up 532.5. Now, she's hit a 550 we'd seen previously, but still respectable considering what she had to deal with. What were your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, this was actually part of the session that you and I were announcing. So we were watching this. And yeah, she basically kind of cruised. Like, you know, we were watching it and it wasn't a battle between her and second place, but she, you know, left some in the tank on squat, left some in the tank on bench. And surprisingly, with a 245 deadlift, left some in the tank and a deadlift. So that was actually a PR deadlift for her. And it looked, pretty damn smooth and and she's a puller so with those those people that have you know good leverages for Delft, they can really grind it out like a Kimberly Walford she can really grind it out and lock it out so Dana's a similar thing so who knows what her top end is going to be on that deadlift so she's currently nominated fourth for worlds um behind the likes of uh Jess and Kimberly but who knows you know she's going to push a little bit more on squat push a little bit more on bench and then potentially just put what she needs on deadlift to keep up with these other ladies, and could be fighting for that podium spot.
0: Dude, the seventy six is a stack. Um, Carlina from New Zealand is not going to be able to make it, but Agata Sitko from Poland is now. Agata, as a teenager, winning world titles in equipment, um, also out total Jessica Bittner. Now, Jessica Bittner, I think, is capable more at the top end. However. Jessica Bidden has got a work cut out for it. Now add to that the GOAT, Kimberly Walford in third. Obviously, Dana McNeil there in fourth. And Vilma Olson, a junior world champion. Uh Sophia Ellis from the Great Britain. I mean, Isabella von Weisenberg is back. Hello. The, the it's return. It, the return of Isabella. This time she's under the team Australia. Whoa, how does that sit? <laughs> to Swedish people? Uh, but yeah, man, it is an absolutely stacked 76 kilo class. Um, I'm definitely excited to see how it shakes up, uh, for the world championships and Dana. I mean, she's in the hunt when you got a deadlift like that, almost like last, if last world's taught you anything, when uh Chandler Babb ended up taking it and then Mart ended up hopping in there as well. And, uh, Italian Martini, Martinini, I forget her last name there, Sarah Martinini or something. She's not at these on the roster for this world, but they ended up hopping on the podium as well. Sometimes hanging back. If you got that big deadlift and seeing what some of the favorites do, it allows you to bump up some spots, you know, and all of a sudden you're on the podium when people start missing lifts, when Anna Rosa Castellane and Kimberly Walford started missing lifts at the last world championships, it opened the door. And this is what might happen too with Dana McNeil. I know 76 is uber stacked, but when you got a deadlift like her, you know, hang back and see what happens. It's very rare that Kimberly Walford's going to be entering into battle and not pulling last. She might not be pulling second last. You know, she might be, this is, that's how good this is in terms of a battle.
1: It, it's going to be ridiculous. Look at the nominations. The top 10 are all 500 kilos and above in this weight class. Just to crack top ten, you have to be doing over five hundred kilos, and then, like you said, that the list goes on and on. You got Joyce Rebaton from Philippines. You got Susanna Aragao from Great Britain. It's just ridiculous how many stack lifters there are in here. And I, I, I set you up on uh, announcing Agata. You know, you had mentioned you had slid into her DMs, she said she was focused on World Games, and then yesterday, as was look at the nominations, I was like, "Damn, she's in. <laughs> it, it's it, she, it's going to be a battle."
0: I, uh, yeah. So previously I slid in her DMs and was asking her, she's like, I don't think so. You know, I got the world games and whatnot. And then I seen her nominations, I slid back in there. I'm like, I got to, what's going on here? Man? You told me. She's like, <laughs> ah, I don't know. I think I'm going to do it. She said, it's not a hundred percent, not a hundred percent, but she's pretty sure she's going to. Um, I was like, I was like, I'm pretty Pol- sure she's going to.
1: I was like, maybe the Polish Federation reached out to her and said, we have a mission for you. You have to represent us here at Classic Worlds. <laughs>
0: Look it. I mean, as a teenager, just you know, hop in there, see what happens. I think she's going to base it off of her enthusiasm. Um, I think she she sees the hype around it and how fun it's gonna be. And she's probably telling herself, oh, what the heck? Um, it's tough though, because if you go, she's gonna have to go all out if she's gonna win. And if she goes all out, it uh, what, how many weeks later is it world games?
1: It's about four weeks. It just depends on their their training too. Like how much are they getting in the equipment leading into classic worlds? Like what if they're training in the equipment five weeks out, six weeks out from world games? So you might be doing like a heavy equipped squatter bench the week before classic worlds and they may throw you off. So yeah. it depends on yeah how they're training, but you, you can make an argument for all of them, you know, with how fast it got this progressing with, with Jess still filling out the weight class, Kimberly Waller filling out the weight class. I think she weighed in 73 at nationals. And Dana weighed in 73 and change at nationals as well. So she could fill out some more so they can be bumping up their squats and benches while they also have this big deadlift in the bag.
0: Yeah. um, It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, man. There's, there's a lot of big deadlifters uh, coming to the IPF worlds in the 76s. Um, It is a stacked class, man, in the women's division internationally, it is pretty neck and neck in all of these divisions. Um, And also in the 76s, you know, Aliza Tesla. it was, she had told me in the back, she had been competing one year in this opportunity to open up. Chloe Dublin said, you know what? You should go there. You're going to be lifting amongst a bunch of world champions. You're going to have the time of your life. She's like, ah, what the hell? If I could pull 400 pounds, um, that'd be amazing as well. Right. And Chloe Dublin, who's, I mean, you know, been the world championships in and out of equipment and, and is a huge star and powerlifting. like you're going to have to earn it you know, I would need to see your second move. Like it's supposed to, they end up throwing on 400 pounds for the final dead. And Aliza was, was, you know, over the top happy. Like she had just won the world championships herself. But uh, this is where like the PA Nats, cause it's year one, you could find yourself straight there in the limelight with returning world champions and, and the whole line, and be like, Oh my God, what, what is going on right now? It's like almost, you got the vibe. It was a special time at the PA Nats. Um, and speaking of world champions and stars, Amanda Lawrence in the 84s. Now we had thought she might go full send. Um, I think we had an over under. What, what did was he? Oh, I think we were off though. Cause I think she, I, we all said she was going over 430. Was that not right?
1: I don't remember if we had an over under on her total, but I was thinking, you know, if she was going to push a little bit, she can get 635. Or if she can really like play conservative 615. And she had talked to me, like she had listened to that. And she was like, 635, it sounds like a lot, but then she started adding up her numbers so what she thinks she's capable of and what an easy day would be. And she's like, Oh, not that far off. And she ended up doing 625.5. So right. Uh, r- right around that range we were expecting.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh she didn't go full on out and she really didn't need to. Um, so it doesn't really make sense for her to looking at the world's nominations where most of the visions are absolutely stacked. Uh, Her division is not going to be absolutely stacked, but her bigger battle is going to be using the formulas and winning best lifter in chasing history. If she wins best lifter at the IPF World Championships, she will be the only person on the women's side, maybe even the men's. I don't know if you got that stat to have won three of them, which is, I mean, considering how hard it is to win at the IPF world championships, let alone win best, best lifter, let alone having done it three times. That's insane. Uh, the IPF world championships is uber stacked. Take a look at the rosters on good lift if, if you get the chance. So um, if she does a, it has even someone on the men's even done it three times.
1: Yeah. Fedisyenko won four times and three of them were in a row. So it's on the the women's side that uh, Kimberly Wofford has won twice and Chen, uh, Wei, Chen Wei Ling has won twice.
0: All right. Well, she can win three and set the record on the women's side. And then the following year, obviously, cause she's plenty It's <laughs> got, she could be just looking for the overall. So that's really what she's looking for. And then obviously looking at the Sheffield, if she could keep that best lifter streak going, she'll have a bundle of money waiting for her at Sheffield's, including records and whatnot. But, um, go ahead, buddy. you're about to say something. I, I was just
1: going to add in that. Yeah. She's another one who is a young lifter. She's, uh, 24 turning 25 this year so again she has potentially years ahead of her as long as she you know stays healthy you know holding back a little bit these nationals when she has the easy win pushing it maybe a little bit at worlds in sheffield uh, racking up these titles and yeah next thing you know maybe she has four best lifters in a row maybe she has five best lifters in a row maybe she wins two sheffields in a row something like right. that. she could be doing some crazy things
0: yeah exactly I And mean, if the money on sheffield is what we anticipate it's going to be and she's in you know in the position to keep winning those year after year, the next few years can be literally life-changing, man. Now all of a sudden you're putting away for a house from powerlifting. Who would have thought, right? Um, it's possible. And then the 84 pluses, it's the return of Bonica Brown. Uh, ends off with a 647.5 kilo total. Bonica usually in the 84 pluses is showing up at the, uh, the, IPF world championships as a pretty big favorite this year her and France's surprise, surprise, the shooter from France, mm-hmm. Emily Mergier are going to be relatively close. Now, Bonica didn't have to go all out here. And she will need to go all out at Worlds. The thing that I'm saying is, even though Bonica has to be the favorite due to her history, her resume, and everything she's done, and her top-end total that she's shown with a 671, she's going to be the favorite. But the point is, she has to actually go all out this time. It isn't going to be a breezy walk in a park. She's not going to win this. And by the time deadlifts roll up, she's just going to clinch it up with her opener. This is actually going to be a sporting contest that you're going to want to watch. If Bonica starts missing, she can lose. That's not me being hyperbolic. That's what makes the 84 pluses now going to be an entertaining session to watch. And Sweden's Emily Leach isn't far behind as well with the 630. You know, if she starts covering ground, she's also right there as well as Brittany Slater from Canada. It's going to be some good lifting.
1: Yeah, I mean, the to me, the good thing was that uh, Bonica's squat, her third attempt looked like an opener to me. Her third attempt bench looked like an opener to me. And then her third attempt deadlift looked like a little bit more difficult, like a second attempt. So she definitely has more in her. She definitely has, you know, 660 to 670 on her in her that day. So, again, it just depends on how she's going to be managing her training around world games and equip training and the raw training to make sure she comes into worlds being able to do, you know, a 660 or 670. Because, yeah, if if Emily Measher from France is pushing 650 to 655, then Bonica can't be coming in yet with the 647. She has to be, you know, 660. So it just managing the, the training of the two meets that are going to be one month apart and coming away with the title. But it's also going to be good for her too because sometimes you have, you know, people that win world titles and like, oh, they didn't compete against anybody. So it's good to have that competitor there to say, hey, I beat this person. I beat that person. Uh, I beat these top lifters these various years. And that's why, like, I have the legacy that I have.
0: Right. And it is, the big thing is not just, you're right, not just that the world games are close, competition's close, but it's an equipment. So that changes how you train and how that's going to affect Bonica and Heather. We don't know, but it's, it's going to be, it is going to affect them. And for Heather, she's got to learn the equipment. Like this is relatively new to her. Um, you know, considering some of these people have been in equipment for the past 10 years that are going to be at the world games. So if you're like in the past year, been, mucking around a little bit here and there. That's not the same. Right. So um, yeah, it depends, man. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's a tough schedule, but live life, you know, live life. But uh, Chloe Dublin was at this PA Nats. She was showing me pictures of world games, the opening game ceremony. And it is wild, man. This is a for real multi-sport event with like thousands and thousands of people in attendance watching um, and like a athlete compound, just like the Olympics the whole night. It looks, it looks freaking crazy, man. So it's going to be an amazing experience. Nonetheless, even if like, let's say Heather is like, I'm going to go all out at worlds and maybe at world games. I'm not a 10 year veteran in equipment, but if I can go, let me, let me, I'm going to do my best, but um, you know, just living the experience through it anyways. Right. It depends. Um, so maybe she's going to put full more attention after this Worlds is over. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I mean, just the experience of World Games, what I've heard and what I've seen is crazy. It it is the Olympics for the non-Olympic sports. And you may think like, oh, that's a way lower level. But in some aspects, it's just the same level as far as like how far out, how many years in advance they select it and the city starts preparing uh, Robert Kelly and I have gone to Arkansas. We've driven to Arkansas for the state championships. we run there for three years. And when you go into Birmingham, they have the signs that say, you know, home of world games 2022. Uh, and you can go see the stadium that's going to be and everything like that. And he was showing me the area. And of course, yeah, they have their own like Olympic village. They have their own opening ceremonies where all the countries are walking out and you're wearing your uniform and everything like that. So just for the experience, as far as world games, it's pretty ridiculous. For what I've heard from the powerlifting side too, like, they have special Alico racks that are custom painted and everything for that event. And they have like one rack for every single lifter. So let's say you had oh a God. flight of 14, you have 14 racks back there. You get to warm up on your own rack. You don't have to work in with anyone like that. Um, no fighting or anything like that. And it's the, the venue and the setup looks similar to what like sheffield is going for as well so it, it's pretty high level it's going to be a great experience for those lifters coaches everyone that goes so yeah even if you go all out at classic worlds to get the title and then maybe underperform a little bit at world games you can at least say hey, listen i went there and i was there with all these other uh, pro- professional athletes and non-professional athletes depending on the sport at the world games
0: yeah it's gonna be crazy um who got the best lifters
1: So obviously, as we all predicted and expected, Amanda Lawrence got first 118 points, and then behind her was Heather for second, Meg Scanlon for third, Bonica Brown for fourth, and Dana McNeil for fifth.
0: There it is, man. Any other notes you think we should hit up, or do you think we're just about at it?
1: No, I think that covers everything as far as you know the battles, the people going on the worlds, everything like that. We don't know yet the details for where Nationals is going to be next year and the date and stuff like that. Um, but should be coming out hopefully sooner. You know, last time it was a little bit of a rush. This time they got plenty of time, so maybe in the coming months we'll figure out where that is, and maybe you'll get to come back and do this all over again.
0: And dog, judging by what Joey Flex is saying, it's gonna. It's gonna he said he's going. He's bringing his troops in 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 full force. So. Um, we're going to have some battles if that's the case. Uh, yeah, all eyes on that. But until then, man, we got to look forward to world championships. Listen, sir, much appreciated. Um, how do people reach you to get coaching again?
1: Yeah. So the easiest way would be our website, the strength Since I work through the strength guys, if you want to hit me up on Instagram, coach Arian K, um, also, you know, people know the positions of power, which is the little, um, deal we have between, uh, the strength guys and King of lift. So that's another option too. If people can't afford, you know, the one-on-one coaching, then they can also go look into position power and the programs we have on that app, where especially if people are self-sufficient, if they can handle their own, you know, um, training as far as being flexible, if they have to move days around, if they have just some weights, if they have to, you know, focus on a little bit on researching their own technique and things like that, they can go on there, get really good programming, do the other stuff themselves and and save money if they can't afford the one-on-one coaching yet.
0: And anybody listening, please uh, subscribe so you don't miss any more podcasts. You'll get notifications on whatever platform you're on. Just subscribe, give us high ratings. Um, it helps us out a great deal, and it would don't go nowhere because we got the fantasy league coming. Uh, we're going to schedule that podcast, and we'll talk about the our picks for the IPF World Championships uh, once now that the nominations are out. And, um, and we're going to start having, you know, people on leading into the world championships, different people hyping up the different showdowns. Let's see if they give us some more sound bites. I <laughs> you know they will. Um, until next time, your boy Six Pack Lab at six up and we are out.